0: Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. Today we land the plane on this series and my voice has definitely taken off a different direction. Uh, the weather and everything else. Hey, welcome to Kentucky, right? And so uh, I hope you're just excited to hear this scratchly voice. And so I want you to just get past this. Uh, and just sort of just focusing on what God's trying to speak to you today. Well, what is He trying to whisper to you today? Uh, so we're in this series, and if you're new with us, we're in this part four of the series as we land it, and we just sort of dive into this book called 1 Peter. First Peter, uh, you know who who wrote the book of First Peter? Come on. Oh, not that. That was kind of weak, right? Come on, come on, church. First Peter, right? Who wrote the book? There we go. So it's the 21st book of the New Testament. It's the 21st book of the New Testament. Uh, He wrote this book to a group of persecuted Christians. Persecuted Christians heavily by a leader named, of all names, Nero. Sounds like a dog. But it's just one of those things, possibly, who was one of the worst leaders of all time throughout history. And if history tells us anything, this guy was a bad dude. Seriously, Emperor Nero murdered his mom. Come on. He murdered his mom. Then he killed his first wife, uh, Octavia, and then he most likely killed his second wife. Can't prove it, but more than likely, he's the guy behind it. Um, Any takers on being his third wife? Just curious, you know? It's one of those moments of clarity, right? Stay clear of this dude, right? He also got mad because he didn't get his way about rebuilding the city uh, during the day and time, and he decided to catch it on fire he caught it on fire, he burned the city down. And after the town sort of got the city controlled, the fire under control, he went out and started it back up. And it just caused all kinds of chaos. People were ready to throw over Emperor Nero. This is how bad of a dude this this dude was. And then he had the audacity. Check this out. He had the audacity to come alongside and say, wait a minute, there's a group of people over here that no one likes. Let's just blame them. It's the Christians. And he started blaming the Christians. And as he blamed the Christians, you know, in this time, of day and time of about 60 to 65 AD, he started saying, it's the Christians. They're behind this whole thing. They're behind everything. These Christians in this time were very heavily persecuted. And, And we've been picking out some of the high points in the book of 1 Peter to apply to our lives today. And if you missed out over the past couple of weeks, I'm sorry. Maybe catch back up on, online and sort of just understand where we've been. Maybe catch a podcast and, and sort of take some notes. But I'm telling you, you, you want to go back and review some of this stuff because it's, it's powerful, especially if we allow God the time to allow us to change. So Peter's message, though, was about change. And if, you, and if you're a Jesus follower, this is, this is how cool this thing is. You're called to be different. You are called, God is calling you to be different. That was his message. It was just straightforward. It was, it was simple. He, he has called you to be holy, it, and he's called you to be set apart. And today I want to tell you what I believe is possibly, possibly one of the most encouraging messages that you do not want to hear, that you just do not choose to hear, I, because it's, it's that powerful of a message. Now then, I believe that today's message literally can be the most encouraging message that you did not want to hear. And after reading the Bible carefully, and what I've really studied and found out is Jesus promised us several different things throughout his time. However, what Jesus did not promise us is that we'd be rich. Right? Come on. Do I got any amens in this room? Just a couple? Jesus never promised us that it would not rain on your wedding day right? Hey, or be heartbroken by that person that you're dating or your husband or wife. Jesus never said that you you would not sit in a seat full of gum and walk away with a sticky bottom, right? I mean, it's just that ooky-gooey moment. Anybody been there? Is that just me? Okay. You know, it happens often for me. You know, Jesus never said that you, you'll you be working for a church and and, and then you'll come home from church one day and, and find that your entire house is flooded because the washing machine overran, right? Now, that happened to us a couple years ago, but it, it flooded our home, and I'm like, wow, how did this happen, right? Now, we could get all out of, bent out of shape, but Jesus never said, hey, listen, this life's going to be easy. And he said, it's not going to be fun sometimes. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. Jesus never promised us a lot of things, but what he did promise us was this. If you're a faithful, if, check his word out, if. If you're a faithful follower of Jesus, if you set yourself apart, if you are different, Jesus promised us that the world would what? Hate us. Hate us, and the world would actually persecute us because you choose to follow him. That's what he did promise. Welcome to the loft today, you know. Glad you're here. You know, it's the most exciting message that you'll never want to hear. And, and I think now that there's a different perspective in persecution, hopefully you've gained that this past couple weeks. There's a the different persecu- you know, perspective and understanding what persecution looks like. And we're, we'll start with, with the words of what Jesus said, and then we're going to dive into the first book of Peter Jesus said this in John chapter 15, if you got your Bible. John chapter 15, if you got your Bible, verses 18 through 20. Jesus said this, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it it, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. Listen, there it is. You do not belong to the world. You're just a passing through. You're just a sojourner, right? But I have chosen you. Check this out. This is his language. I have chosen you out of this world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they obeyed my teachings, they will also, will obey yours also. Some powerful words coming from Jesus himself. These are his words, not mine. If you want to walk away from a, with a different perspective in the midst of persecution, this is what I think we need to start leaning into and allowing to change our lives. Now, now, think about the context. I want you to think about the context. Think about the context in, in, in 1 Peter. Think about the context in 1 Peter and where it came from. Peter was writing this letter to first century Christians, right? First century Gentile Christians. During a time that there was extreme persecutions. Christians were being literally tortured to death under Nero, right? He, he would use them literally as torches in the middle of the night for his, his, his parties. And they would actually drink and, and just watch them go up in flames. He would put animal skins over Christians and throw them in cages and watch wild animals tear Christians apart just for entertainment. I know it sounds crazy, but it happened And as history tells us, it was real. Now, I I want you to think about something. Fast forward to today, in our environment where we're at today. It depends on what part of the United States or world you live in. uh, But if you live in places where persecution is extreme, especially overseas, right, it could feel the same. It has the same gravity as it did back then. Many of us who actually live in the United States, the persecution may not be as extreme, but it's very, very real. I think sometimes we turn a blind eye to what is happening because it's, it's, it's way over there, right? It's way over there, and, it, and it's not, it doesn't appear to be here. What I would say to you is this. Don't close your eyes to it. Don't close your eyes to it for any length of time. Because in the world that we live in today, there is an extraordinary Christian persecutioning happening everywhere, and maybe even closer than you think. I remember uh, just quickly when I was growing up, and, and you remember this past week, a lot of a lot of students had something that was called "See You at the Poll Day," right? National See You at the Pole Day. I remember as a student in high school, when we went out there around the pole to pray one day, and um, and and. and I thought we were good to go. I thought we were being able to pray and allowed us some, that, that moment of clarity. It was, it was early on in the days of CU at the Pole Day. There wasn't that many people there. But we were praying, and it, it wasn't time to go inside yet. But the te, one of the teachers came out, one of the teachers who wasn't a Christ follower. He just came out and said, hey, you guys, you're done. You have to go in. He actually removed us from And I, I had a spiritual conversation later in life with him. And I was and I just like, what, 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 what was that all about? But he shut it down, and I knew right then there was a moment of persecution, and it never fired me up so much for Jesus. There was something that took place in that moment that caused me to go further faster with Jesus. And, man, you're talking about somebody who changed their life during their senior year. That, that, that fall literally it was a game changer for me. I remember going to FCA convention, and that's the moment that God became the Lord of my life. It wasn't just a church thing no more. He was actually became my Lord. You see, I think we go through things all the time. And there's those moments define who we are and allow us to grow. You see, if you start to look at history and you're a history buff, I think some historians would, would even argue that persecution is as, as its worst level in, in today's history in time. Not where we once were, but even to, more like today. And simply because anywhere on social media, come on, you with me? with me? You know what I'm talking about? Anywhere on social media, you can read arguments or articles of persecution here and abroad. And if you stand up for one thing, you better be ready to defend it. You know what I'm talking about? You been there yet? Almost every article that you you can read will state that the last decade has represented the worst decade of persecution in the history of Christianity. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It's fascinating, though, It could be the, what, end of times for some people, right? I think there's some statistics that can bring some clarity for us. In fact, their statistics are so mind-blowing that it challenges even me to, to think, wow, this actually happens. On average, each month, over 300 Christians are killed for following Jesus in the world that we live today. That's crazy, right? but just because they take up the cross and follow him daily. On average, each month, over 200 churches will be burned and completely destroyed where we live today. In, in, in an average 30-day period, there's upwards close to 800 followers of Jesus Christ who will be beaten, tortured, raped, or imprisoned for following Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about dear Nero's time. I'm talking about today. Turned a to blind eye on to it yet? Yeah? Are you paying attention to it? Because it's real. It's right here in front of us and some of us are so laser focused on ourselves we don't even see it. We'd rather just come to church sing a couple songs and have a comfortable easy life. You see in some parts of the world you may lose a family me- family member for being a Christian. In other parts of the world, you may lose a job for following your Christian values, for standing up for what you believe in, for not taking part in that joke, for not gossiping. In some parts of the world, you you may be beaten or lose a tongue for even professing the word Jesus. In other parts of the world, you may be shunned because of Jesus. You may not be invited to that party That gathering because you're a Christian. You may be online and connected to some Christian social groups, and people start to see that, and then you start to get bashed because of your faith. You might miss out on being voted class president, homecoming queen, or even lose a friendship simply because of Jesus. I told you it's the most encouraging message that you never did want to hear. The one thing that all of this has in common, all of it is persecution. And Jesus said, if you follow me, the world will hate you. They will dislike you. And you will be persecuted. And that's why today this will be, for many of you, the most encouraging message that you never, ever wanted to hear. When we look at how Peter wrote these words of, and encouraged them, he actually addressed the subject head on, and, and, and he really just threw everything in. And I pray it would speak to you today and inspire your faith and encourage you to live more bolder. Jaden just prayed a prayer of boldness. They sung some songs of boldness. And for, for the one who gave his life for you, may we just be bold for him. This is, what, this is what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.12. You got your Bible. 1 Peter 4.12 in the New Testament. He said this in verse 12. Dear friends, talking to all of us, right? Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. To test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Something strange is happening. And I don't know what it is, right? See, Peter is explaining to those people who are hurting, don't be surprised, don't be dumbfounded, that if you're living boldly for me, if you're following Jesus, that you will face hostility in every angle. If you're living boldly, you are set apart. If you are different, don't be shocked when you're criticized at work, when you're ridiculed in your environment, your culture, when you face spiritual opposition. You might say, I can't really think. You might even be thinking this right now. I can't really think of a time, really, did I ever face opposition for my faith. If that's true, we, I think we need to start there and really start to understand some things, maybe evaluate where we've been. For example, if you don't know, um, right now, what, what I do is, is during the fall and during the spring, that's probably why I'm a little sick, um, I do my best to, to coach uh, some little league soccer teams, and I have two this year, and it 's it's, it's got its own challenges, uh, but our families are all involved, and we just it 's a great opportunity to invest and love on some students as well as parents. but uh, I coach a, a u ten team and a u eight team, and both teams sometimes can drive me completely crazy right The object of the, the game is to get better but to put the ball in the what the back of the net right <clears throat> because that 's how we got to play that 's how we we get better. And I give them instructions on how to play. I coach them up. We have some good chance before the game. We got a good chance during the game and, and after the game. And, and we just have fun doing it. And, and they go out there, but then they go chase butterflies. It drives me literally crazy. They, 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 they chase butterflies or crickets. Oh, I found a cricket. I'm like, put the ball in the back of the net, you know, and just run fast. And other days they're doing this, this bottle flipping stuff over there. You know, they're just, I, you know, just, they, uh, I mean, it's just so crazy right? They, they, just, they, literally, they, they can have so much fun bottle flipping, but not even paying attention to the game. And I ask them, who are you going in for? And they're like, I don't know. Like I told you five minutes ago, who are you going in for? And they don't know. It drives me crazy. On other days, literally, they're, they're playing tag. They're over there on the sidelines playing tag. Uh, some of them like to play in the mud. They pour water, and they just start to make a butt pile. I'm like, come on. <laughs> really? And then the, my favorite one that happened this past week, they were tag team wrestling, guys. They were tag team wrestling. I was like, seriously? I'm going to pull the rest of my hair out of my head. And I, I love them. I really do love them. Um, and, and it's fun. These, these kids are, are, are mostly not paying attention to the game at all. And, and if, you're, if you're the opponent, uh, you're you're really not concerned about our players impacting the game uh, at all. You're you're not, especially my subs. I mean, they're just out there enjoying the game and more like it's social hour. That's what it is for them. You're not as a coach or an opponent coach as an opponent team. You're not concerned about these players. On the other hand, on the other hand, let's just say each one of my players are the next Pele for those older ones, or for younger ones, messy, you know? They just say, these are the greatest soccer players of all time, right? They are really, really, really good players. And and they are not over there bottle flipping. They're not throwing bottles. They're not playing games. They're not wrestling in the mud. But instead, they are laser focused on who is the weakest link out there on the soccer field. And they're watching the game unfold, and they are attacking every angle, and they're staying in their lanes, and they're making great passes. They're making triangle passes. And eventually, we are a threat to score every single time we get the ball because they are paying attention. And you're, as an opponent coach, you're scared. You look at our team and go, wow, what's going on? You see, the difference between last year, it was last year they, they were all about playing, and now this year they're laser-focused because they know what it feels like to win. And, buddy, we're undefeated, all right? It is fun coaching these guys. But you're, you're, you're not going to want to play my team right now simply because they are really, really good. You, some, some teams literally have called in sick, hey, we can't come today, we ain't got enough players. I'm not joking you. They, they, they'll show up at other fields, oh, I thought it was over here. And man, I've had one person, we just don't want to play you no more. We got beat 12 to zero. We don't want to play you. And I'm like, ah, oh, way to go, team, because they're so focused. They are ready. They come ready. They are ready to score goals, and they are doing everything as a team for the very first time. It's fun. It's exciting to watch team get the ball in the back of the net. Yesterday, I had a, had a guy score his first goal, and I said, just keep pushing the ball forward. Keep pushing the ball forward, and he's one of my bigger guys. He's kind of uncoordinated. You no, know, he's just growing into his body, but he kept pressing the ball forward. He literally ran over the goalkeeper. He ran over everybody, and he just put the ball in the back of the net. He didn't kick it. It went off his belly. It was awesome. <laughs> he pushed the ball forward. He did exactly what I asked him to do. He came out, and he's just screaming. He's like, yeah. He's like, you got it, buddy. Way to go. And we won that game. I was so proud of him. You see, the same is true when it comes to spiritual things. If you're on the Jesus team, you believe in Jesus. But you're on the bench. In other words, you you got the jersey on, but you're not in the game. I mean, you'll come to church every now and then because you got to do what you got to do to be a part of the team picture, right? Right? And then to get the medal, because everybody gets a medal nowadays. But you'll show up to the game, and you're not engaged. You're not praying for miracles and asking God to do something crazy. You're not putting in any time or energy or practicing. You're not praying bold prayers that honor God, more like weak prayers that embarrass God. You're not interceding on behalf of others, believing that Jesus would help people in their time of need. You've got gifts and talents that he gave you, but you're not using them to see change lives that change lives. You could be the difference maker and you know it, but you let someone else play the game because you're over here bottle flipping. You're not giving generously. You may tip a little bit every once in a while, but you're not strategically giving. You're not prayerfully asking how I can, can can God use my given talent, my time, and my tithe or resources to influence others and be generous to impact the world. You believe in Jesus, but you're not representing him faithfully through the week. You're just wearing a jersey through the week to get noticed. As a matter of fact, you you haven't invited anyone to church this week, and you have never shared your faith in Jesus with anyone. You, you, You got the jersey on, but you're not spiritually in the game. You see, the same is true in this example, that your opponent, right, your opposition, he takes no notice with you. He doesn't look at you. That moment, though you are engaged, you have no spiritual opponent or enemy who takes notice and will face you, right? The most encouraging message that you didn't want to hear, right? Think of it this way. Think of a soldier, a soldier going into battle for the very first time. He's going into war and he's going into war and he comes back to the officer on the back line. Sir, sir, they're shooting at me. They're shooting at me. I didn't think this was going to happen. What do you think the officer would say to that person? What did you expect, son? We're at war. Now get back out there and shoot. We have to understand Christianity is not a playground. It's a battlefield. We're at war against the forces of darkness, and we're at the very real spiritual battlefield that's probably plaguing your homes, and you've turned a blind eye to it. When you engage in the battle, you will face opposition. If you've never ever faced any real spiritual opposition, maybe it's because you're not on the front lines engaging in the battle in the way God wants us to. That's why Peter said it this way. Hey, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're facing. You see, I remember quickly, and there's some people that can testify. I remember the last time we had to go in public service, I said, Man, don't forget, devil's gonna come at you. Literally that day, I had some people call me, like, man, you ain't gonna believe. You ain't gonna believe. It's like, no, I do. It's scripture, it's right there. You ain't going to believe. Yeah, I do. When this person turns towards the light, man, you ain't going to believe. You ain't going to believe what a horrendous week that I had. Yeah, I I do believe. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're facing. Now, when Peter said fiery trials, though, he he was very likely he he was being literal. That's crazy, I know. When he said that fiery part, among the other things Nero would do is, like we talked about just a minute ago, Peter was referring to what Nero would do with the Christians of the day and time. When they would find out that you were a Christian, he would dip Christians in hot wax, hot wax, boiling wax, and then then put them into a tree, tie them like this, tie them, and then walk over and strike a match and light them on fire, and light the whole tree on fire in the evening hours so they could have entertainment and a party a party while, while they were suffering and dying Christians right in front of them. Fiery trial was literal. That's who Peter is talking to, and he says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're facing as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised today. If he's writing to some in the Middle East by saying this, don't be surprised if you lose a loved one because of their faith in Jesus. It's to be expected. To, to, to a new Christian in a Muslim country, don't be surprised if your family turns on you, my friend. To a freshman girl in the university or center college or in high school, don't be surprised if you, if you don't get a second date because you have a stance on purity. To, to you, he might be saying, don't be surprised if people make fun of you at Christmas, at Easter, because you're following Jesus and loving others first. And you talk about Jesus more than just a holiday of bunny rabbits and, and in Santa Claus. You, you're engaged in the church and you love the church and it's the bride of Christ and you're living and you're dying for it. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you'll be facing because you're in the game. You're making a difference and you're, you're rattling in this darkness of hell. Don't be surprised if you face opposition. And then he goes on and he says, the most encouraging message, right? The most encouraging that you did not want to hear. He said this in, in verse 1 Peter 4:13. I love it. I love it. He says, but rejoice, but rejoice in as much. Big word, three words put together. In as much as you participate in the sufferings for Christ. So that you may be what? Overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Is that different? Come on, let's, in society, and culture, is that different? It's a different way of thinking, right? Rejoice, be happy. When you're persecuted for your faith, rejoice because you're partners with Jesus so that you'll, you'll have this wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Why is it that so many of the that would say so. Many people in the world would say, "Well, I've never experienced anything like this." I don't think it's necessarily your fault. I think that culture is so convincing, and so convincing that most important thing that for many of us is to, is, is the pursuit of comfortness. Culture, even church culture, sometimes can say, "Oh, it just it's okay, right?" Hey, has anybody ever said that to you? It, it's okay. Have you heard that one before? You you come through a big trial, and the, the first words most Christians say is what? It's gonna be, yeah. If we're honest, if we can just be completely honest and strip away some things this morning, would you rather have a comfortable conversation than one full of confrontation? Right? Most people would probably choose a comfortable conversation than one full of confrontation. I would rather have a nice, easy day than one that is full of pain. I've already talked to some people this week, and it's like, I'm just tired. And the reason why I'm tired is because, and you listen to their pain, because they're going through it. They're on the battlefield. They're giving of their time and their talent and their tithe, and they're just they're frustrated. Comfort is something that we, we so often will pursue at all costs, even in the name of Jesus. God, help me have a what? Good day. God, I pray, bless us, keep us safe over my son, over my daughter. Don't let anything happen to them, right? Ever said that prayer before? God, watch over us as we travel. Bless us for food, for help our kids. Protect us, keep us what? Comfortable, keep us safe and essentially what we want to avoid is what? Conflict at all costs. We want to avoid it. Let's dodge any opposition and so we take the path of least resistance. If we're at war, we go around the battlefield sometimes. So many people, so many people Uh, Christians are seeking comfort, pleasure, and ease is what I notice. When you talk to, and you hear the conversation, we we, we avoid conflict at all costs, don't we? We just don't want to, let's just be honest, look at social media and just tap into it for a second from those political values of the right. Come on, right, right, come on. And then the ones on the left, right? You got all these values. But when you mention Jesus, oh. It gets awkwardly weird, doesn't it? You will get crucified if you put out there who you follow. So you just go along with what's going out there. You start to input your opinion and not who you follow. You see, we dodge any opposition and we take the path of least resistance, don't we? I know people who smoke or drink just to fit in because they, they might get left out. I know others who, who laugh at racist and sexist jokes and they know it's wrong, but they do it just because they want to fit in. Others who don't say anything when gossiping's going on because they just sort of get caught up in the moment. And let me just tell you something. Even if you didn't say it, you're just as guilty for participating. We hide our faith in Christ so no one pokes fun at us because we want it easy today. I think we could all look at two different types of patterns that we sort of fall into when we make decisions on how we follow Jesus and we find ourselves in this pattern. We sort of pursue comfort. We sort of, sort of pursue comfort, which leads us to avoid opposition. And then when we start to avoid opposition, literally, it, it weakens our faith. It really does, it weakens our faith. And then one of these days, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna feel like your life is empty. It has no purpose. You may wake up one day and ask, I don't feel close to Christ at all. I don't even know who Jesus is. I just go to church. Do, do I need something different than what I'm currently doing? Do, do I need to you know find a new, do, I love when I hear this one. Do we need to find a new church? Is it the church's fault? I mean, I've heard it before. Do I need to find that new Bible study? Do I need to get in, do, do I need to get in that, that study, that new living in the word study? Here it's really good, saw some post on Facebook. Do I need to get involved with that? Because I'm just so empty. I, I've even struggled with, with some people that, that come to me, and you, may, you might have this question as well, is, 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 is there another way to live? Is there another faith I need to be following? That breaks my heart. But let me warn you, you, you have to be different. The only way you really live is when you recognize that you're a foreigner in, in this world. You're a stranger, you're a pilgrim, you're a sojourner. These are the words that Peter used to describe this moment. You're just passing through this world. This is not your home. And what we, what we know is Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches us to what? Love our enemy. Love our enemy, right? Not just our neighbor, not the easy street. Love our enemy, make it, let it be challenging for you. Turn the other cheek when they start throwing darts. To love more and to give more, to be rich with goods and deeds. He wants us to literally do something different so the world can see what? Christ in you. Now then, at the same time, when you start to do this, you live boldly. There's another pattern here. You start to live boldly. And when you start to live boldly, it, it, you'll face opposition. You'll face it head on. It will hit you like a ton of bricks, and you'll be like, what is this? But here's the cool part. When you're standing with Jesus, it strengthens your faith. It starts to strengthen your faith, and the next thing you know, you're closer to Jesus. You're standing so close to Jesus and you're in the light. There is no more darkness around you because he's got it. He's covering it. When you're living, living by faith, when, when, you're, when you're on the A edge um, and when you're comfortably uncomfortable, right? Meaning that you're, you're living by faith and not by sight. One day you'll wake up and realize I'm much closer to Jesus than I once was when I began. And now you're starting to see changed lives that change what? That change lives. That's right. It's amazing how it works, this journey with Christ. When his word is is alive to you, you're living in the word. He, He begins guiding you daily. And suddenly you find yourself living even more boldly than you ever dreamed possible. Because that's Christ in you. That's not you. You see, out of those two patterns, I'm going to ask a bold question. Which one are you this past week? The most encouraging message that you didn't want to hear, did you? From the world perspective, which one are you this week? They will not always like you. But these trials will make you, these patterns, will, the, the way we, we partner with Christ will change everything. It will change the atmosphere. And, and just what Peter said in 1 Peter four nineteen. 19, so if you are suffering, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on what? Keep on doing what is right. and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never what? fail you. Come on, church. The most encouraging message that you never wanted to hear. If you you want, the world will love you as its own, and you will never be persecuted if you just get back and get easy. If you are following Jesus, you cannot be like this world. You cannot be like this world. You won't raise your, your kids like the rest of the world. You won't use your money like the rest of the world. You, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have different morals in this world. You, you'll have different values in this world. You'll have different types of conversations, spiritual conversations from this world. You'll be different in work environments in this world. And you're not like this world. Guess what? The world will hate you at times. Not fun, right? Not fun at all. It's not fun, but the odd thing is it does something to you, and you recognize I am a follower of Jesus. It builds some kind of boldness in you, and it makes you feel different. When persecution comes your way, it does something to you. Persecution never, ever weakens your faith. It causes our roots to grow deeper in the things that matter. And in fact, I think that is where we live right now. It's so easy to claim to be a Christian that for more more people than not that probably are not. And when there's a little bit of persecution in it, it puts some stakes into the grounds of where you stand with Jesus because it matters. Think about that. If we are followers of Christ and we're willing to stand for, for some things and to be persecuted if we're following Jesus I think that when there's tension, it draws attention to where we stand in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you something. There's no better place to stand than with Jesus. On the last day, you'll be wanting to stand right there. I'm just being honest. 1 Peter 5, 10, and 11 says it this way. So after you have suffered a little while, right? We're just passing through this world. This is just a little small glimpse of where we're heading. So after you have suffered for a little while, short time, he will what? He will restore you. He will support and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation and all the power to him forever. Amen. See, Peter was encouraging those early Christians but I believe He was actually writing this letter for you and I today. I believe everything God does, He does to build in you the resolve and the capacity to overcome every obstacle, every crisis, every type of persecution in our your, the, your life that you're going to face. And it may not be fun, but it grows us closer to Him and it allows us to become more like Jesus because it matters. I believe there are things that, that have held you hostage for so long that you're, that you're afraid and you don't even realize it. And the reason God has not removed those persecution moments from people or fears from your life yet because you will not overcome them by him removing them. You will overcome them when you trust him, follow him, receive him, so you can rise above, so you can rise above And then only, then only, then your life will be changed. He will place you on a firm foundation that changes everything. See, I believe Jesus is waiting, waiting for us to ask him, Jesus, this is what I want you to do for me. And I am convinced he is asking us, what do you want me to do for you that you cannot do for yourself? that no one else can do for yourself? What do you want me to do for you that you that will be proof that I am who I am? What do you want me to do that will declare to the world that I am here with you and I have never left you and I have never abandoned you? You are my daughter, you are my son. And I am ready to take on the world with you to change the atmosphere. You see, I faced persecution to the point of death and I overcome. Don't be afraid. Rise above. Rise above. There are certain things in your life that you will will come in your way in such a, a persecution manner and you need to allow God to use them because they are the building materials that will do immeasurably more. He will use those things, those, those moments to accomplish something greater than, than you can ever imagine to change lives that will change lives. The question is today for all of us in understanding this message will you rise above and have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ alone or will you give in to the temptation of just sitting back and playing a game when you lean in and trust him with your life in a way that challenges even you and just cry out to him and say, I can't do this on my own. You're right. It's through me that you will accomplish this. Remember, you are called to be different. We're just passing through this world because this world is not our home. If you're a follower, Jesus. That's where we're gonna leave it if you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus, I pray, I pray that you're just moving in a way that challenges everyone, that challenges all of us, that allows us to lean in and trust you with our lives, not just a portion, not just a little part, but everything. From Monday, Tuesday, to Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday nights, God, Saturdays and Sundays not just an hour on Sunday but every hour for the rest of our lives God allow us to literally humble ourselves, humble ourselves in a way that exalts you and exalts you only, don't let our egos get in the way and edge God out may we literally ego in a way that exalts God only Father that's my prayer when persecution comes we just say thank you Lord I'm not alone. You're with me. I feel it. That decision's tough. But I trust in you. Lord, we're called to be different. May we stand firm in it and rise above. In your name, amen. Amen.